When we are going to dive into the message together, you may notice that there are some kids in the room, right? Hey, kiddos. Uh, it is Family Worship Sunday. On the fifth Sundays, which happen about four or five times a year, we bring the kids, ages kind of like four or five on up, in with us. Uh, we want them to see and experience and taste and know what it is to be a part of the Church of Jesus Christ that, exp- that spans all generations. Like, we want them to see the joy of worshiping together with their family, with their parents. Uh, we love what's happening in Anthem Kids. This is not an escape from Anthem Kids, but rather teaching them and showing them a picture of life together as you go on through the generations. So welcome, guys. I hope you enjoy the time. Uh, Josh said he picked songs that he thought you would know, so we're going to sing some more songs after the message. That'll be a lot of fun. Well, today's a very exciting day, Family Worship Sunday. It's also a day that we are going to be praying out uh, Rob Patterson and the team with Journey Church. Uh, Rob's been on board with us as a leadership resident for the last uh, eight or nine months, and he's been spending some time working through what it means to plant a church, and we're going to be planting that church here in Thousand Oaks, and today's a day that we get to, to pray them out. And with that, I wanted to take some time. We're going to pause on Matthew, and this morning we're going to talk a little bit about uh, why we plant churches. This is something that's been very near and dear to our heart. We started Anthem Church uh, in October. It'll be seven years ago. And in the seven years since we planted Anthem, actually, like on launch Sunday of Anthem TO, we were meeting at CLU at the Preuss Brandt Forum where they do all their plays and musicals. And we launched the church. We started a gathering. Everybody that had been in our community groups and the people that we had been meeting, we all got together. And it was a wonderful celebration. And it kind of felt like we had arrived, like we're here. We planted the church. But we really didn't want that to feel like the end. We wanted that to feel like the beginning of the journey. So we brought Kevin Bailey up. Uh, For those of you guys that don't know Kevin, he leads our uh, Anthem Camarillo, our church in Camarillo. We brought Kevin up on stage. We said, great job starting a church, everyone. We're really excited to be here. Kevin's next. We're going to start pouring into him, preparing him, and looking to where and when we get to plant him out. And we want you to pray about and consider being a part of that journey. So we planted Anthem Camarillo. Uh, Shortly after that, we brought Andy Rogers on to be a leadership resident. Andy has been a big part of our church and our story. Uh, We sent Andy out to plant Restored Church in San Diego. They're like up in uh, North Park. No, what's it called? Normal Heights, that's it. (laughs) Same thing, it just kind of bleeds together. Uh, So they're in Normal Heights, and they've been doing a great, great work in San Diego. What's been exciting is that over the last five years since we planted Restored, they've planted a couple of churches. They planted Restored South Bay in Chula Vista, and they planted Restored LA up here in Northridge. And we've gotten to see that, that multiplying, reproducing heart go into the churches that we've planted. Uh, This last year, we planted two churches in one week. We planted uh, Anthem Ventura with Bird Alcorn up in Ventura, and we planted Imago Day Church with Daniel Jansen down in Downey. And then uh, now we're getting a chance to pour into Rob and Courtney and send them out uh, this morning. I tell you all this because this is a part of our story. It's something that we are passionate about. It's something that we believe God gave to us to do here in the Caneo Valley. It was to be a part of a, a movement of reproducing churches, to be a church that raises people up and sends them out. That's something that we felt very convicted about, very compelled to do. But I understand that not everybody gets why we do that or why that's important or why the Bible might even say that that's a part of our story. I'll be honest, I grew up in Newbury Park and driving down Borchard Road, you know, you kind of drive by a Lutheran church and a Catholic church and a Methodist church and you drive by all these churches and you can get in your head 
Well, why would we need more churches? Everywhere I drive, there's a church. It feels like we have plenty of churches in the Caneo Valley. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to walk through the scriptures and I want, to, I want to talk to you about why, biblically, it is a part of us to be people who plant churches. Now, the reality is there is no biblical co- command to therefore go and plant a church. That is not anywhere in the scriptures at all. That is not uh, a mandate whatsoever. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how we arrived at that as a conclusion of what it is that we are actually called to do. So three things we're going to do. Number one, we're going to look at how we were made. We are made to reproduce. Okay, that's part of our created order. That's part of what God has put into our very DNA. Then we're going to talk about how Jesus asked us to make disciples. He commanded us to make disciples. So we're going to talk about what it means to make a disciple and why that is connected to planting new churches. And then we're going to talk about how the gospel is designed to go forward. That's the third thing that we're going to look at. All right? Everybody ready for that? Yes. 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 I love it. All right. Let's pray and we'll dive in the scriptures this morning. Lord, give us grace to hear your heart, to understand your vision, to know what it is that you're asking us to do with our lives, to see your dream for this world. Lord, we love you and we praise you in your name. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Now, if you've been around Anthem for any time, you've probably heard us talk about Genesis 1, 28. It's an important passage that deals with how we were created, what the, the DNA that God has placed in us is. And that comes from Genesis 1, 28. You read through uh, the earlier verses, 26 and 27. God says, let us make man in our image. This is a story of us being created in God's image. And then he gives his first great commission. Adam and Eve created, male and female, in the image of God he created them. Here's what I want you to do. Sometimes that's the question that we just want answered. Lord, what do you want me to do? Here's what God wanted Adam and Eve to do. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. That's the command that's given to Adam and Eve. It's the call to be a part of the journey of filling the earth, of actually seeing God's image, his created presence overtaking the entirety of planet earth. That was God's dream. His desire is that his name, his glory, his presence would inhabit the earth. And so he commissions Adam and Eve to do that. Now, that is not a one generation ask. Adam and Eve were not going to be able to see the end of that command. They were not going to see the earth totally filled and totally subdued. God gave them a command that was for them and for every generation. And what we see is we see Israel take that command very seriously. They respond to what God has done. They understand that it is the objective of a family to raise them up in the way of the Lord, to teach them to be a family, to reproduce, to multiply, so that then their kids would do the same thing. Kids, let me ask you guys a question. Is it your purpose in life to grow up and keep living at your mom and dad's house? And as you get older, to just keep living at your mom and dad's house? And the older you get, you just keep living at your mom and dad's house. Maybe keep going to school, just do sixth grade, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 times every year. Just kind of keep it going. 
Is that the objective of this life? Or is there, you know, we kind of have it built into us that I want to be something when I grow up, right? I want to be, no, no. Jackson doesn't want to be anything when he grows up. He just (laughs) wants to be Jackson, which some people will pay for you to just be Jackson. There's a career in that. Um, So honestly, this is part of our story is that we're called to, to grow up and multiply and reproduce and fill the earth and subdue it. So what does that have to do with church planting? Well, Israel took that mandate and they carried it into more than simply biology because that could be a biological statement that we're just supposed to be humanity and humanity is supposed to fill the earth. But there's a spiritual mandate to that as well. That the filling the earth is not simply filling the earth with people, but it's filling the earth with the presence of God, the image of God, the kingdom of God as we're learning about in Matthew. That what God desires is that his presence, his voice, his name, his way would overtake the earth, that he would be known in the far reaches of this planet. And Israel took that seriously. They carried the name of God into the world. They were people who demonstrated God. They raised up their kids to know God. They taught them the way of the Lord. That was what they understood. So then you carry that over into the New Testament. And we have this thing that we've been given salvation. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but would have eternal life. This beautiful thing called eternal life. We love it. We value it. It's amazing. But what does God want us to do with that? First off, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 13. And we'll get there in a couple months and we'll do the real breakdown of it and all that kind of thing. But for right now, I just want you to look at Matthew chapter 13 this passage about uh, the pearl of great price. You may have heard that phrase talked about before. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, and he says this. I'll hop up there in a second. He says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Okay, here's the thing. This is a guy that is an expert pearl salesman. He knows pearls. He's seen beautiful pearls before. He's been to stores. Consider a guy that maybe has traveled the known world looking for the greatest pearls and being a reseller of those things. That was his passion. And in his travels, as he goes from shop to shop and finds these amazing pearls that have, that have been raised up in all the oceans of the world, he finds this one that is the most beautiful That is the most valuable thing that he has ever seen. So he leaves that shop. He goes and sells everything that he has. Everything that he owns, he gets rid of it because he wants to go and buy that one thing, that one pearl. It's that valuable to him. Jesus is saying, guys, that is the kingdom of God. That is the value of the kingdom of God. It is the greatest thing you will ever know or experience. Now, here's the thing. Not all of us have that kind of value for the kingdom of God. We may talk about church planting and making disciples and those types of things, and maybe it's just not that impressed and not that impressive to you. You just kind of listen to that and just say, well, I don't don't know. It's not really my thing. Part of the challenge is this right here. Jesus was teaching about the true value of the kingdom of God. When you get it, you get it. When you understand what has been done for you, what you're being invited into, what is being presented to you, it becomes the greatest treasure you will ever experience, ever. 
your whole life becomes about how do I see more of the kingdom of God in my life and in this world. This treasure is the greatest treasure that I could have ever pictured. That's what Jesus is teaching us. The more you see the kingdom of God, the more you realize its value to you. Now that treasure is not a treasure that's meant to be held onto. It's a treasure that's meant to be passed along. Matthew chapter 28. Again, we'll get there. This one's going to be more like Christmas time 2017. We'll get there. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus says this. This is the second great commission. He says this. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you to the very end of the age. So Jesus teaches this thing. He commands this thing, this great commission, and says, I've been given all the authority in heaven and on earth. There's no authority that I don't have. With that authority, I'm sending you out into the nations to take this good news, this gospel that I've entrusted to you, this reality of who I am, this treasure. You're to take that into the nations, into the lives of people, and you're to teach them all about who I am. Now, one of the questions that kind of comes into our mind is, well, all right, so... Who's that for? Who needs to say, yes, Jesus, when Jesus says, go and make disciples? Was that a command for just the hundred odd people that were up on the mountain with Jesus when he was ascending into heaven? Was, did it end there? See, for the most part, we look at that and say no, because we look at the book of Acts and the apostles that were there with Jesus. They took that message that he had given them and they go and they start teaching people about it. But the people that they were teaching didn't, just let it land on them, they were trained up to take that same message and to take it into the next generation and the next town and the next neighborhood and the next family and they took the message of Jesus and they preached it and that went on from generation to generation, the treasure being passed on from each person to each person until today, right now, we are recipients of that command because everybody that heard it knew that it was not just for those people right then, but that this is the way of the kingdom. That everybody who says yes to Jesus is saying yes to the commission, the command of being a disciple maker, somebody whose job is to make disciples of Jesus. And the first thing that people usually say when we say things like that is, well, I'm, I'm not really equipped to do that. I don't really know how to make disciples. I'm not sure what that looks like. I'm not really, I don't know enough about my own faith. I don't know enough about how to communicate. I stumble over my words. I'm not the right person. But Matt's pretty good at this. He teaches on a Sunday morning. I'll just, I'll, I'll let people listen to him. I'll be a part of the journey of helping people find their way back to God by associating with a church that lives on mission, but I myself am not equipped to be that person. That's the number one challenge that we see to people responding to the command to make disciples. I don't feel ready. I don't feel ready to do this. So let's break this down a little bit. I don't know if that's you. I don't know if you've experienced that before, but I believe that you're commanded to make disciples. And I also believe that you are equipped to make disciples. And you are being equipped. 
Doesn't mean that everybody's an expert. Doesn't mean that everybody has every answer to every question. But I believe that the scriptures teach us that we've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. We have what we need to carry out the commands of Jesus. So let's talk about what that looks like. First off, at a base level, somebody who comes to faith in Jesus can immediately obey this command to make disciples by being a witness. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Uh, Rob was talking to me about this. He gave a great example of a witness in a trial. A witness, when they sit at trial, they're not talking about hearsay. They're not talking about anybody else's testimony. They're talking about their testimony, what they had seen and heard and understood. This is my testimony to you. This is my witness of what I saw, the events that occurred, the things that have happened in my life. At a base level, making disciples starts with being a witness where you can share what God has done in your life. Everybody is equipped to do that, that has said yes to Jesus. Why was it compelling to you? Why did this draw you in? What changed in your life because of Jesus? What is the story that's being written? Those are the things that you can start by being a witness to, and the Holy Spirit empowers you to do that very thing, and you can say yes to the command of Jesus. You have been asked, commanded to make disciples, and you at this very moment are equipped, at the very least, with your story to be able to share what God has done. Granted, there is more to share, but that's a starting point. So we think about this and we talk about being equipped and, and not really knowing enough to share our story. I think the second thing that I want to say is, okay, how long are you going to say that for? At what point do you start saying, you know what, I'm really not equipped to share the gospel. When do you just say, I need to get equipped to share the gospel? I had coffee with a guy uh, earlier this week and it was so encouraging. He was telling me about somebody that discipled him and the guy that, that walked through life and ministry with him basically told him, here's what you're going to do. We're going to read this book together. It was uh, Explicit Gospel by Matt Chandler. Every week we're going to read a chapter, and then we're going to meet together, and we're going to preach the gospel to each other. I'll preach it to you, you preach it to me. And that will be our training. We're going to work on how we present the gospel to each other so that when we go and meet with somebody else, it just flows off of our lips. We know the gospel. We're ready with the gospel. We've experienced it, and we understand what it means to communicate it. That's an example of somebody saying, you know what, I'm not equipped to share my faith, but I want to be equipped to share my faith. I don't really feel ready to communicate the things of God, but I want to get ready to communicate the things of God. In a few weeks, we're doing this thing called the Anthem Summit, and this is the entire motivation for the Anthem Summit, that we would say, okay, we don't want to not be equipped. We want to be equipped. So let's get together on a Friday night and all day Saturday, and let's equip each other with tools to live on mission in this world. Let's teach each other and shape each other on this journey of helping people find their way back to God so that we don't have that excuse anymore of saying, I'm not equipped, and I don't really want to be equipped. Because that's kind of the thing that we're saying if we're not doing anything about it. So we want to get together. Uh, August uh, 26th and 27th, is when we're getting together, the Anthem Summit. It's a great opportunity. It's something for you right now that you can say yes to. I want to go deeper in how I communicate the name of Jesus, so I'll be there. 
We're providing childcare. We're doing everything we can to make it possible. I realize that it's a Saturday and it's hard to give those up. But this is a moment where you can say, I want to take that next step in being equipped to make disciples so that I can faithfully obey the commands of Jesus. And what does making disciples have to do with church planting? Here's the thing. A couple years ago, we went to South Africa and a guy was teaching and he did a, he did a great job. He said, we kind of get this backwards in the church. As a church, we have a tendency to say, Jesus will make disciples and I'll build the church. We'll gather people, we'll do the activities of a church, we'll get the organization going, we'll get the worship going, we'll get the, the stuff of being a church. We'll do this together. But Jesus will be on the front lines. He'll be the one making disciples. He'll change lives. He'll do those kinds of things. But Jesus said exactly the opposite. He said, Peter, you are my rock, and on this rock I will build my church. I will build my church, Jesus said. And then he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. So Jesus has given us the command to make disciples, and from that he will build his church. I said at the beginning, there was no command in Scripture for us to go and plant churches. But I want to share with you that by making disciples, by being obedient to Jesus' command, what the apostles did in the book of Acts is they went out, they made disciples, and those disciples started to gather, and as they gathered, they became the church. And that is the very nature of church planting, of starting new churches. The word church, it's ekklesia in the Greek. It literally means the assembly of God's people. So when you think about what a church is, and we talk about how it's not a building, it's not just what we do on Sunday morning, it's not any of these types of things, this is something that we need to hear, that the church is the gathering of the people of God. This is why we're doing Anthem Anywhere. This is why we're working really hard to communicate this thing that we believe, that the church goes way beyond what we do on a Sunday morning. So next Sunday, just I'll, I'll stop and communicate this really, really quickly. Next Sunday, we're not meeting here. Don't show up here. Nobody will be here. We are gathering around our community in homes, in parks, in restaurants. We're gathering in places where the church doesn't normally meet because we want to emphasize and reemphasize the fact that the church is not this in its exact form and structure. Are we a church at this moment? Absolutely, because we are the gathering of God's people. Anthem Church, we belong to each other. We believe we're a family. We believe that God has, has entrusted this to us to work together on this mission. But next week, we want to reinforce the fact that the church is the gathering of the people of God, and so we will call it Anthem Church when you gather in your home and you walk people through what it means to follow Jesus and you take communion together and you worship together. Sometimes we can take this a little too far and we think, well, uh, hiking is my church. I like to go out and just be out and I do church out in the wilderness and that's, that's church for me. And that's not what the scriptures teach about what church is. What they do teach is that church is people gathering to pray, people gathering to hear from the scriptures, people gathering to take communion together and to worship together and to fellowship with one another. And so where those things are happening, that is the church of Jesus Christ. And we want to affirm that next week. So as the apostles took this message of Jesus, 
They saw that it was critically important for them to make disciples to every generation and to every new community. If you have your Bibles, go over to 2 Timothy 2, 2. This is one of the last things that Paul wrote before he died. Start in verse 1, actually. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. Paul says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, Paul had taken what he had received from Jesus and he understood that that treasure, that pearl, was designed not just for him, but to be passed on. So he starts working with Timothy. Timothy's a young man in the faith. He's a guy that he's been training up in uh, pastoral, apostolic kind of work, and he he trains him up, and he says, all right, Timothy, everything that you've heard from me in the presence of other people, it's not just you and me. There's a lot of people that have heard this, but the things you've heard from me, I want you to entrust to faithful men who will teach others also. This message, this gospel, this pearl, this good news that you've received is not meant simply for you, It is meant totally and completely for you and also for the people that God has entrusted to you to make disciples of. Jesus asked us to make disciples and it's our responsibility to take that and obey that. Now, disciple making can be a confusing thing for some people and the message of this morning is not how to make disciples, it's that we need to make disciples. There, is, there are things to talk about as far as what that looks like to make disciples. But I want you to hear the call on you that as you're raising up kids, it's a call on your life to make disciples of your kids. That's why we did that class over the last few weeks, discipling your kids, because your, your opportunity to raise them up in the way of the Lord is real and is important and is critical for you to see. We encourage you to live on mission and to see yourself as a disciple maker in your workplace, in your schools, in the places where you spend time and energy and you build relationship in your families, with your neighbors. The call is to go and make disciples. And as those disciples are made and they're gathered, that's where churches are planted. And this is how the, uh, the, the book of Acts went. Every new community that they went into, they would preach the gospel. People would respond to the gospel. Yeah, James, you got a question? Okay, that's cool. If you have any, you can totally ask. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Whenever they would go into a new community, they would preach the gospel, make disciples, and those disciples would form churches. And then those churches would send people out into new communities to, to start making more disciples and starting more churches. I love the fact that we're getting ready to send Rob out. I think this is important. We're not sending him far away. We're sending him into our own town. We need more churches, not just in other places, but we need more churches in Thousand Oaks. It shocked me a few years ago. We did this research just to try and answer the question of why do we need more churches. We looked into Ventura County. We added up the total number of churches. And just as a, as a matter of projecting, we were just curious. We said, well, what if every church that loves and follows Jesus in Ventura County had 500 people at it. I was like, uh, you know, good average. The national average is 75. Southern California average, probably more like 150. And so we gave 500 to be generous. You know, that's the the Calvaries and then the smaller churches that kind of all evens out. So let's give everybody 500. What we found is that when we did that, 
there was not enough room in the churches in the Caneo Valley for 10% of the population, or in Ventura County, for 10% of the population to be a part of a church. See, we can get it in our heads that we have plenty of churches, and even the ones that we have aren't that full, so why do we need more churches? The reality is, we don't just need a couple more, we need a ton more. We need more churches speaking more languages, with more passions and convictions and hearts in more places, even in our own community, and we want to be a part of seeing those churches get started. And so we want to plant more churches and see these things happen. And what Rob's doing, they're on a journey of disciple-making. They're gathering people that are already believers, and they're gathering people that are not yet believers, and they're saying, we want to walk in this journey. We want to help you take next steps in your journey to God. We want to see you know Jesus, and we want to see a church emerge from that. Sometimes we fall into this trap of our our languages. We start a church on the first day that we have Sunday gatherings, but the reality is these churches start long before that. Journey's been up and running for the last 10 months, making disciples, building relationships, pouring into this community, and now they're, they're getting to start their Sunday gatherings in a few weeks, but the church has already established its roots because disciples are being made and those people are gathering. So this is why we do this. Now, the last thing that I want to share with you is that if we're going to keep on this journey of planting more churches, if we're going to obey what Jesus has asked, then it has to happen through the preaching of the gospel. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 15. All right, Romans uh, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I love that because Paul's connecting. When it happens in our heart, it comes out of our mouth. Jesus will say some very similar things as we go through the book of Matthew. As our hearts are transformed, this stuff naturally flows out of what we say. So it's part of who we are as followers of Jesus to not just be internal Christians, but to be Christians who are proclaiming the good news of Jesus. All right, it keeps going. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Huge news. Everybody can come to faith in Jesus. There's not one person on planet earth that can't know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This is for everyone. Verse 14. Paul goes on a little, he's he's asking himself some questions here in front of the Romans. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Look, Paul's talking about this and saying we need to understand our place in this journey. If we're going to see disciples made, if we're going to see churches started, if we're going to see communities transformed by the gospel, a few things have to happen. People need to believe. But they're not going to believe the message of the gospel if they're not hearing the message of the gospel. So people need to hear the gospel but they're not going to hear the gospel if nobody's preaching it. Have you ever thought that and just processed that for a moment? 
sometimes it gets in our head that somebody else will probably give them the gospel and then I can just come alongside and maybe be a, a booster. But Paul's looking at this and saying, we need to understand that they will not believe if they don't hear and they won't hear unless people are preaching the good news of Jesus. And this is the weird one for me. How can they preach unless they are sent? Because honestly, you could go rogue right now and you could just go out and just start preaching the gospel and doing all kinds of things. You could go out there without being sent. That's fine. But that's not the way that the church understood it. That's not the way that Paul understood it. This is a connected effort. This is a co-mission. We are together in the journey of seeing this world transformed for the gospel. And so Paul is calling on each person and each church to be a sender, to send people out to preach the gospel. And that's the posture that we want to take as a church, is to be people who send preachers and proclaimers of the gospels. That is the dream. That doesn't always mean that you're going uh, to another church or to go help and start a church or to another country or to another state. It doesn't always mean those things but it means that we all grasp the reality that we are called to make disciples and to be preachers of the gospel. And as a church, we want to be a church that sends you to go and do those things. So three questions to kind of wrap up our time. Here's how I want to see this message land in us. Number one, are you being equipped to preach the gospel? I don't know that I've ever seen a time in history where there's more available to us. That's a weird way of stating that. Not that I've been alive for the last 2,000 years. There has never been a time in history where there is not more available to us to be equipped as people who know the good news, who understand the scriptures, and carry it out into this world. I have, I mean, this, on this iPad, I have Logos Bible software, and what's on this tiny little thing is something that a, a library that would have cost just 25 years ago, a library that would have cost in the neighborhood of $20,000 and would have filled probably three or four of rooms this size. And it's on that. And a lot of it is free. I've paid for some of it, but a lot of it is freely available online and through Bible softwares. There are more podcasts. There are more training sessions. There are more churches that want to equip you we as Anthem Church, we want to equip you to be proclaimers of the name of Jesus Christ. The question is, are you ready to be equipped? I don't want that to be our excuse. I don't know enough. I'm not ready. I'm not in that place of life. I, I'm, I stumble over my words. I want to see us move past that to where we can say, I am an imperfect communicator of the gospel, but I am a communicator of the gospel. I'm not a perfect, finished product where all sins have been wiped out of my life completely, but I know that Jesus is at work in my heart and I want to be somebody who testifies to the goodness of my God and my King. Will you take time to be equipped to carry the name of Jesus into this community and every community that we might send you out to? Number two, next question. Are you participating in making disciples? Whether that's your kids, I, I, I would love that all of us would be at least discipling the kids that God's entrusted to us, but I would also love us to have eyes out into our communities. Are you participating in making disciples? Sharing your story? Answering somebody's questions? Pointing people to the gospel? Praying with people? Ministering to them in prayer? 
speaking into their life with the gospel. These are all things that plant those seeds, shaping somebody's story, asking them questions about how they can walk in deeper faith and life on mission. Are you participating in making disciples? And the third question, are you helping to plant new churches? A couple years ago, we kind of made the statement that everybody is either a goer or a sender. And I think that's backed up in Scripture in that we have a lot of people that go in the Scriptures and we have a lot of people that send. If you look at, uh, how many of you have read the book of Philippians? You can raise your hand if you want. You don't have to. Uh, It's like five or six chapters. It's really short. You should read it. But those of you that have read it, is it not the most amazing, encouraging, passionate, glorious, joy-filled book that you've ever read? I hope that's an advertisement if you've never read Philippians. It is amazing. Here's the thing with Philippians. Philippians is a letter that Paul wrote back to a church that had financially supported him to go and plant more churches in Macedonia. All of that encouragement, all of that unbelievably powerful, glorious language is in the context of Paul writing to them saying, you guys are church planters even though all you did was send me, this is your work. This is to your credit. You are as much responsible for this as I am, as the senders you have sent me. That's what Philippians is about, and there's more of that in the New Testament. There's lots more of that. So as as people who love and follow Jesus Christ, the question is not, when are you going to go? There are a lot of us that are called to go. There are a lot of us that are called to stay, but I don't ever want our posture to be, I'm called to stay, and I'm not really into that church planting thing, not really into that disciple-making thing, because that's not consistent with who we are or who we are in Christ. So the ways that we contribute, number one, when we talk about people that are going to plant new churches, when we talk about uh, Rob, when we talk about Josh, when we talk about DJ, when we talk about these different people that just say, I feel like I have this call on my life, and you start to think that maybe God might be saying you should go with them, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what it looks like for you to go as a, as a believer and, and help lay foundations and establish a new church that wants to make disciples in a new community. That is a beautiful thing. We don't ever want to get selfish with people. We want to be generous and we want to send people into these communities so that more people can find their way back to God. We want that. But if your call is not to go or if you don't believe that this is the timing for you or, or this is the place where you need to be, then I want to challenge you to be a sender. To be somebody who's participating in starting new churches by praying for the churches that are being started, for those communities. We had a great moment the other day. Our our mission send team, we're sending a couple out to Laos in a a few months. And the the ask was, don't pray for me and my wife. We we try and refrain from saying their names on the recording just because they're going into sensitive places. But uh, don't just pray pray for me and my wife Pray for Laos. Pray for disciples to be made. Pray that the, the, that the people who are there would receive the gospel. I loved hearing that passion. It's not just about starting a new organization or sending missionaries. It's about seeing lives changed by the gospel, and we want to pray for that, and we ask you to pray for that. We ask you to support financially. 
These things do cost. Paul called on the Philippians. He called on the Corinthians. He called on different uh, churches to support him financially to go and see new churches get started in new places. We do this frequently. We do it at Celebrate Generosity in October. And from time to time, we do it throughout the year and present opportunities to say, this is a place to pour money into because it's going to lead to more disciples being made in more communities. We want to support these things happening. So give generously. Give financially. So you can go, you can pray, you can give, but you don't just sit there. You don't just sit there and say, it's not really my thing. Hopefully, as you're hearing this, you hear that disciple-making is every follower of Jesus' thing. And we always want more of it as a church, no matter what. I want that to be embedded in us. I want that to be deep inside of us so that the things that we do reflect that passion for seeing more people come to faith in Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a moment and we're going to make this very, very real. I'm going to bring Rob and Courtney up. I want them to share their heart for why they're planting a new church and what this is going to look like. And I want you to hear firsthand from them what God's been doing in them to take this stuff that we're talking about and to put it into practice. Hello. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Leave it to a decree to shout out. Yeah. All right. Um, why don't we start by saying this? Uh, why do you want to plant a new church in Thousand Oaks? Yeah. Um, so much of this, I think you laid down in a beautiful way. Um, but uh, we came to the Caneo Valley, um, Thousand Oaks, back in 2007. I'm newly married and uh, just kind of bright eyed. Um, we moved into the apartments over there, kind of, you know those ones down by Jan's Mall? Like, there's like nine or ten apartment complexes. We moved there and just got to know different people in different places, and really, um, kind of our hearts were moved for that area, just what it kind of represents, where you have a lot of um, just brokenness, you have a lot of just the multicultural part of the Caneo Valley that is not um, as represented in our churches. There's just a lot of different things like that where we saw that, and then Two years ago, we were kind of wondering, God, what, what are you doing? And he starts to create this unrest on our heart um, that is similar for a lot of people. When you know change is coming, you just don't know what it is. Um, and then just our heart began breaking for Thousand Oaks and then breaking for Thousand Oaks and breaking for Thousand Oaks. Um, and just how can we be a part of what God is doing again here in the, t- in the town? Um, yeah. So tell me, what's, uh, what's unique about Journey Church? What, what is it that you want to carry into this community? Yeah. Um, well, our, our mission is to help people take the next step on their journey with God. And uh, really the best way to describe that mission, um, I'm going to use a story. I asked her permission last service, so I'm going to do it again. Um, in Ho- uh, a few years ago, we were very blessed, and we got to go to Hawaii. And uh, the best part of Hawaii is going off and kind of bushwhacking into some trail that doesn't exist. Um, it's also how you die in Hawaii, by the way. Um, <laughs> don't do that, kids. Um, kids. But uh, we're going on this crazy trail, and we're kind of making our way up this. We thought it was a, a hill, became a mountain, became a cliff really quickly. And we're really grabbing on roots and pulling ourselves up. And uh, Courtney's afraid of heights. Um, she learned she, learned she was afraid of heights. I found out that day I was um, afraid of heights. But this random tree that grows sideways out of a hill then kind of goes up, she just grabs it and just kind of like, boink, decides, I'm done. We're not going to go anywhere. We're covered in mud. We're sliding around. We are probably going to die. Um, and I've been lying to her saying, no, it's safe. We're just, the trail's right here, I swear. 
going just down the mountain. Um, but I think a lot of ways, using that kind of metaphor, for me, there, there's this moment where we need the coach to say, you know what? We can't possibly think of getting all the way up this mountain, but let's take this step right here. We can, we can make this step to this next tree, and we can take this next step. And I think in our life, we get kind of locked up into different places, be that fear, be that anxiety, be that our own past, our wounds, whatever that is. They're just these critical steps in our life. Sometimes that the thought for some of you, you might be here in a church for the very first time today, and that's a miracle because there's just things that have gone on in your life. For some of you guys, the idea of opening up your Bible, the, the thought of reconciling with your parents, whatever that is, there are these critical steps. And how can we, as a community of people changed by God, do this together? How can we walk together through life, wherever it holds us, wherever it takes us? Um, and so for me, just a church that kind of has six main values of that mission, where we celebrate the transformation of God, where I think the amazing grace is that you don't have to be perfect because God can change you. So we don't have to present ourselves as perfect, and there's hope because God can change you. Praise God for that. The gospel is powerful. There's no one too far from God. And so we can celebrate transformation. In the same way we can lower our masks, we can celebrate vulnerability, where I don't have to be okay. I can be Rob, wherever that holds me, and we can celebrate God together, however we are right now. Um, it just points to God's goodness. Another value is community, where that walking together of genuine brotherhood, sisterhood, um, loving our neighbors, being a church that just takes personal just the brokenness and the needs of this community and being a church that exists for those who aren't a part of the church, a community that is almost reckless in our love for other people. Um, and then as this very sermon you heard today epitomizes our last little bit of the, the raising up of people and then the sending out, where we want to be a church that is sending. Um, you, the, the one analogy you didn't use that I love is the idea of an apple tree where we think that the point of an apple tree is to give us apples, but an apple tree is actually trying to create additional apple trees. And that for us, how can we be a church that doesn't just make disciples, but is being a church that plants additional churches, that plants additional churches? And so being a church that is actively sending people and raising those people up to do the thing that God's laid on their heart. Not all of you guys are going to be pastors in the vocational sense of the word, although we are all called to make disciples. But some of you guys are called to write songs. Some of you guys are called to be investment bakers. Some of you guys are called to be mothers and fathers. Some of you guys are called to be graphic designers, whatever that is. And how can we stir up one another? How can we walk together through those different parts of our journey and go together to be a church that is ra raising up people and sending them out? The same very vision in some ways um, that drives Anthem. Well, here's, here's what we're going to do, and this, uh, we, we did something similar last week, and so hopefully it's not too foreign to you that this is something that we love to be able to do. Uh, Rob and Courtney have brought some of the team from Journey here to the church this morning. You guys, why don't you come up and start filling this space right here? Anybody Journey connected, come on up. Just find your way this What's direction. What's that point you <clears throat> Just, uh, yeah, slide out of your aisles. Just push people if you have to. It's, it's okay. Not kids. Don't push kids. You said push. All right, so this is some of the Journey team, and uh, yeah. So 
So here's how we want to do this. We want to encourage them. We want to minister to them. And we want to be very, just honestly, we want the Spirit to lift them up through prayer this morning. So I'm going to ask, uh, first off, I'm going to ask all of us to stand up. And I'm going to ask any of you that are comfortable to come forward and lay hands on anybody on this team. And we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to, we're going to pray for them. So stand up and a bunch of you come on forward and we'll have a couple of us pray for them. All right, so if you didn't come close, uh, kind of participate in us in this by raising out your hand, extending your hand towards the team, and pray with us even as, uh, as a few people pray. So if I get two or three people to pray, and I will close us in prayer. Father, thank you for this team of people that um, have hearts that, uh, that seek you, Father, and have a desire to serve you, even in the uncomfortable, even in stepping out in faith. And so, Father, we uh, lift this team up to you, Father. We commit them into your hands. Father, the wives, the husbands, the kids that are all jumping on board uh, to this call. Um, Father, we ask for protection. Uh, Lord, we ask for courage to go out and share their faith with the community. Lord, we, um, we pray that you continue to provide faithfulness, Lord. Uh, Lord, that you continue to provide vision to Rob and Courtney. Um, and, Lord, that, uh, that you would... Uh, help people find their way back to God through Journey Church. Lord, we ask that you would be with them, that you would fill them with your spirit um, for power to go and be witnesses in this community, to testify to the good news that you have entrusted to us. So Lord, would you bless this um, venture, this new church, this new gathering of people, Lord, we ask that you would be with them every step of the way and that great things would be done for your kingdom through these, uh, these people who've said yes to you, uh, and yes to, to making more disciples. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in your name. Amen.